0: Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypannuccio.com forward slash act. A great place to begin your story is in the middle of the action, right? Where life as your character knows it is about to give way. But after you've written your first scene, your first chapter, or maybe even your first sentence, you can begin to think about ways to bring in significant events that have taken place before your story opens. So let's talk about flashbacks. Flashbacks need to be handled with intention. Just like any other interruption from the present story, a flashback can distract your reader. It can confuse them with where they are in time. Sometimes it can cause your reader to lose interest in what's happening in the present of your story. So it can kick your reader out of your story. And that's precisely what we don't want. So on today's episode, I'm exploring common missteps writers make with flashback and how to avoid them so that you can write flashbacks that are relevant, significant, and compelling to your reader. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you flashback, we leap back in time. Flashbacks can be really useful because a glimpse into the past can deepen the reader's understanding of your characters. It can shed light on the way we see the present of your story. It can also give later scenes more dramatic power. So there's this resonating effect that you can get with flashbacks, and it can help us understand what motivates your character through the story. For example, your story might move back to your character's childhood in another place so that we can understand, feel, and intuit the current conflict – Flashback is a reflective structure. It's one way of showing rather than telling, and it gives your story a memory. You can give a clear picture of the past by dramatizing a conversation or a crucial memory. You can jump back to an incident that happened years before and linger there for a paragraph or several pages or even a chapter before bringing us back to the present. For example, in Alice Munro's story, Friend of My Youth, a flashback immediately follows the opening sequence. So the story opens with the narrator describing a recurring dream about her mother who died after a long illness. And the description of the dream, after the description of the dream, the story continues with a recounting of events that took place before the narrator was even born. Much of Friend of My Youth takes place in the deep past. In fact, there are layers of past in this story. We're told the stories of two sisters, for example, with whom the mother boarded while she was teaching at the grief school. And we learn how the story of these sisters affects the way the narrator remembers her mother now in the present of the story. Now, Alice Munro is the master of time loops. She's known for writing these complex time sequences. Her stories are so intricate in the way she moves forward and backward in time that they've been described as compressed novels. Now, you don't have to manipulate your story's time the way Alice Munro does, but it is worth reading some of her stories to see how seamlessly she moves between present and past. Okay, so here are some common missteps writers make with flashback. Misstep number one, overusing flashbacks. Sometimes flashbacks and backstory, it can all hijack the front story. It can take over the the forward moving action. Now, flashback is challenging because you want to convey essential information about your character's past lives, but it's tricky to show this information in the present time. So sometimes writers will front load it in the opening or they'll weigh it too heavily in one place in the story. So the first question you need to ask is, do you need flashback or can the past bear pressure on the present? So if you're writing a taut action-packed story, for example, then flashbacks may not be the best choice. If your story is emotionally complex, or if you're writing a novel, then you probably should use some flashbacks. But a lot of that backstory can often be infused into the present. So let's say your main character is suffering in the wake of a difficult separation from his wife. You don't have to include a flashback of the troubled marriage necessarily. You can let it bear pressure on the present. Raymond Carver does this brilliantly in the opening of his story, Why Don't You Dance? This story is told entirely in the present, but listen to the efficient way that Carver informs us of the demise of the relationship and moves the present story forward at the same time. Listen to this. In the kitchen, he poured another drink and looked at the bedroom suite in his front yard. The mattress was stripped, and the candy-striped sheets lay beside two pillows on the chiffonier. Except for that, things looked much the way they had in the bedroom. Nightstand and reading lamp on his side of the bed. Nightstand and reading lamp on her side. His side, her side. He considered this as he sipped the whiskey. So to avoid overusing flashbacks, ask how much of the past you can infuse into the present moment. What can you suggest so that the reader fills in what's not said? That is the joy of reading, my friend, filling in, collaborating with what's on the page. The second question to ask is, is this flashback significant? It should link in a significant way to your character's core desire and the present situation he or she is in. And this helps your reader understand your character's motive in every scene. You might want to think of flashbacks as significant history. This is something I learned from Doug Glover. Flashbacks are significant. What makes them significant is that they are they're linked to your character's core desire, and they're relevant to the current situation he or she is in. Now, I'm thinking of Revolutionary Road, which has flashbacks about Frank Wheeler's father. So they are significant because they... They parallel Frank's conflict in the present of the story in relationship to work. His father worked at the same building Frank is now working in in the present of the story, and he was also passed over for a promotion. He describes his father as always tired and, you know, middle-aged and that um, the fact that he was passed over for a promotion is significant because at the end of the novel, Frank is offered a promotion and he's forced to make a choice. Is he going to take the promotion or is he going to quit his job, which he, he deep down wants to do because it's a dull job to him and it's very conventional? Or is he going to go to Europe, at his wife's behest. This is something she deeply wants. It's something he kind of wants, but is afraid to go after. So the flashbacks are significant because they are directly related to Frank's desire in the present story. I'm also thinking of Saeed Safridae's nonfiction story, The Afflicted. The present story takes place in the ER waiting room as he's waiting with his girlfriend to have her cut finger suited. So what's motivating him in every scene is this desire to overcome the deficits of his fatherless past and to become the future father he never had. So to avoid overusing flashbacks, ask. Number one, if the backstory can be hinted at and actually bear pressure on the present. And two, is it significant? Does it relate to your character's core desire? And is it relevant to what's happening in the present moment? Misstep number two, misplaced flashbacks. Sometimes writers will just insert flashbacks because they know they have to get the information in. So it feels contrived, it jumps out, it calls attention to itself. A well-placed flashback is launched from the present time by a significant and related event. So for example, in Friend of My Youth, it's the narrator's dream about her mother and the hint of their troubled relationship. In The Afflicted, it's the narrator's observation of a small boy in the ER waiting room, and later, the Andy Griffith show on the waiting room TV. So ideally, the image or episode in the flashback will then launch itself back into the present story adding drama and weight to your story. In other words, the story and the backstory should speak to each other. The past and the present should be in dialogue, answering each other's narrative questions and posing new ones. So a well-placed flashback also has repetition and variation. For example, in The Afflicted, all the flashbacks are about the same absent father, the same fatherless childhood but they're repeated in different variations and different episodic memories. And misstep number three, not signaling the time shift. Now this is a really easy fix. So you want to signal your move in time so that the reader won't be confused by the sudden shift or even miss it. So for example, in Friend of My Youth, after the opening sequence about the narrator's recurring dream about her mother, she has a space break and then launches into the past with this. When my mother was a young woman, she went to teach at a school for young women. And she goes on, but you get the idea. She's, she's, locating us in time. Another timestamp might be in 1936, Frank's father worked on the 12th floor of the Knox building. The thing is you never want to confuse your reader. A confused mind always says no and closes the book. Okay, so let's recap. Flashbacks can deepen our understanding of a character, why they make the choices they make, what fuels their conflict in the present, and what motivates them through your story. To write flashbacks that flow seamlessly into the fabric of your story, pay attention to these three things. Number one, significance. Make sure each flashback episode relates to your character's core desire. If it doesn't, see how you might rewrite those flashbacks so that they're slanted more in relationship to what your character ultimately wants to achieve by your story's end. Number two, placement. Ideally, your flashback is launched from the present time by a significant and related event. Then it's launched back into the present. So you want to have the present and past talk to one another. Observe your own tendencies to move between present time and memory. Also, think about repetition and variation. Flashback can be brief, but it should be repeated in different variations, meaning different episodes that explore the same central conflict. Look at how your favorite books handle flashback. Isolate those flashbacks, read them, and look for the common themes they explore. They should have some common threads. And number three, signal the shift in time. When I was three, etc. In 1965, we lived in a three-story apartment building built by my grandfather, or when my mother was a young woman, etc. So always situate us in time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Writer Unleashed. If this episode resonated with you, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews are key to keeping Writer Unleashed on the top of the charts where other writers can find us. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, join us on our private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. It's totally free to join. And if you want more free resources, plus writing tips, I only share an email, sign up over at nancypannuccio.com. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Till then, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.